They get it in, they win. Denied by Turner, and that's it! The Baylor Lady Bears, seven years later, are back at the top of college basketball with their third national championship. That's how it sounded last night here on ESPN as Baylor took down Notre Dame to clinch the Women's National Championship 82-81. to This is what the sports pen sounds like. Tanner Hoops with you Monday afternoon. Thanks for hanging out with us. Charlie Bramer in the studio with me. What's up, Charlie? Not a lot, Tanner. Great sports weekend. Really happy to be here. How are you? I'm I'm doing well as well. I had a great time this weekend out in Minneapolis. Uh, Did not go to the Final Four. I was in town seeing some family. My grandmother turned 73. We had a birthday party and met up with a bunch of family out there. Uh, It was fun being in town, and there were plenty of Spartan fans on my flight, both to and back from Minneapolis so it was good there were plenty of go green go white chants uh making a lot of friends that way one guy wearing an Auburn sweatshirt yelled out war eagle at was one it, point was it Charles Barkley it was not Charles was Barkley not. <laughs> no I I don't know what Charles Barkley did after the game on Saturday night uh, I, I, I feel for that guy he, man he sobbed yeah. he, he was sobbing maybe a little more than that yeah right he's uh there, I said on the show many times, there are things that you can count on in life. There's death, taxes, a Bill Belichick coach Patriot team winning at least 11 games every year. You can add an SEC basketball team doing something stupid, being their own worst enemy, to destroy greatness. That that sounds pretty accurate. That that's a pretty accurate statement. It happened again. Right, and and I just want to we're we're good grandsons, man. I went and saw my grandma this weekend hey, too. Hey, all right, that, that's pretty I like funny. That. So, so we're good grandsons, but yeah, you can certainly count on. I don't know what it is, man. Is it SEC coaching? Just the style of play? I that's just one of those things. It's a little bit inexplicable. Well, I tell you what, if we learned anything from this weekend, it's how important free throws are to basketball. You played basketball for a long time. Were you a good foul shooter? That was actually my jump shot was always very. Never quite where I wanted it to be, but free throws, I I had it down about 80%, so I was really proud with that. If you can shoot 80 at the foul line, it's pretty good. And But I could never get there enough. That was the problem. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Saturday night, of course, after the foul committed in the final two seconds of the Auburn-Virginia game, Kyle Guy calmly knocked down three free throws to give his team a one-point lead. That would lead to a victory as Virginia got by Auburn 63-62. to Last night, as I was waiting for my flight out of Minneapolis-St. Paul, I found a place that was showing the Women's National Championship. I watched Notre Dame and Baylor, the final Irish had a chance to tie the game late, and Enrique Agumbawale, who won the championship at the buzzer for him last year, misses one of two foul shots. The Irish lose by one. I felt for her because at the end of her career, she's going to do great things at the next level, but I know she was in tears after the game, and as great of a career she's had, I hate it for her that that's the way she has to go out. But Matt, free throws won Virginia their game. They lost Notre Dame theirs. It's the most underrated facet of basketball that any coach at any level will tell you. Yeah, and and it's it's getting to the point where there are very skilled players. You know, guys like Ethan Happ come to mind off offhand, where they they have the talent and they have the size and all kinds of really good traits that it takes to play at the next level. And things like free throws are going to keep them out of the next level and 
I it, it's kind of an inexplicable thing for for me. It's it's always been my jump shot. I can't get down, but free throws for whatever reason. Like it seems to be a lot of guys. It's a reverse type of deal. I it's just a totally inexplicable mental thing. What it seems. Well, I tell you what. With Baylor's win in the national championship last night, they are now three and zero all time in title games. Two of those have come over Notre Dame last night and seven years ago in two thousand and twelve. By the way, this was just the second time ever that the women's national championship was decided by one point since the field expanded to sixty four teams back in nineteen ninety four. And the only other time it happened was the first year they had a sixty four team tournament back in ninety four. And Kim Mulkey, head coach for Baylor, was an assistant coach for Louisiana Tech coaching in that game. So she becomes a third coach ever to coach a team to three national women's championships, joins Pat Summit and Gino Oriema. She is also the only player, head coach, and assistant coach to ever win a women's national championship. So congratulations to her and Baylor. They were a great team. And as much as I would have liked to see Notre Dame win that game, was a great game you know it was just a fantastic game fantastic monument for the sport of women's basketball yeah and and like you said man one of the only one point finishes i mean that's just a great you know some great tidbits and and a great finish it's good to hear women's sports getting you know you're hearing highlights from it a little more and you're hearing it mentioned a lot more that's just good in general it's just good for sports the michigan state texas tech game you know, it was a great game. It really was. And I still believe that that was essentially the national championship. I think Texas Tech will win tonight. I think Michigan State would beat Virginia if they would have played them tonight. But Texas Tech, man, that defense is just for real. And Chris Beard is doing this in an age where sports, no matter what it is, they are gravitating toward offense. And somehow he gets his defense to perform every single night. He held a team like Michigan State to 41 points in the final four. I mean, that's that's the real deal. Yeah, and, and, and what's... What I'm really looking forward to see is, does this guy really have something special up his sleeve, or or, or is it more his players? You know, is this going to be something he can sustain? Because to put out a coach like Tom Izzo like that in, in a team as talented as Michigan State, um, on the Levitard show I heard him talking about how they were just really criticizing it, saying, you know, can you tell the difference between good defense and bad basketball? Mm-hmm. And to me... It was good defense. It was good defense. I would lean towards that for sure. And like I said, is does, does this coach, you know, is he is he really can 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 he bring in the next group of players and get them to play at the same high level? It, it's going to be interesting to see if that can be sustained. I think it is. I, Chris Beard deservedly so got AP Coach of the Year this year. Everywhere he's gone, he's been a winner. You look back at some of the schools that he's built up programs there, like Angelo State and Arkansas Little Rock, you know, at the small level, gets a shot at the big time with Texas Tech. And look what he's done there in just three years, a school that wasn't on the basketball map, maybe even coming into this season. Now they're going to play for a national championship this evening. So I'm excited for this one in that sense. I know Texas Tech is excited for it. The university's canceled night classes this evening. Anything after 5 o'clock has been canceled, and they've canceled class all day tomorrow. So no matter what happens, it's going to be a little bit of a mini holiday down there in Lubbock. That's that's pretty funny. With how much college costs, uh, I don't know if I would be super stoked if I was a parent paying for that <laughs> and and hearing over sports. Um, but things could get pretty crazy, that's for sure. One way or another, things could get pretty crazy down there. And, and something I'm 
looking. I mean, if if Beard wins with Texas Tech, is he gonna get? He's gonna be getting job offers from bigger schools, more mm-hmm. money. You know, is he gonna be able to take this same style of play uh, to an, a bigger school, another conference potentially? And because you kind of you kind of got to predict that that's what's going to happen and this these defensive minded coaches you know that it's interesting to see how they can stack up in bigger conferences Texas Tech needs to extend him. They need to lock him down, especially with college jobs starting to fill up. And I think there have been some good hires, some good signings. Nate Oates going to Alabama. That's a home run for the Crimson Tide. Rick Pitino got an extension from Minnesota. Excuse me, Richard Pitino got an extension from Minnesota yesterday. Rick's probably going to jail. Richard is getting, he's getting an extension. And Mike Young, who just led Wofford to their first ever NCAA tournament, kind of in a similar boat to Chris Beard. He just got picked up by Virginia Tech to replace Buzz Williams, who left for Texas A&M. So jobs are starting to fill up. Texas Tech has got to lock down Chris Beard, though, because he's a guy that would be really attractive for a program that's trying to rebuild themselves. It's been a perennial power. You wonder if Bill Self has a lot of time left at Kansas, if he might think about leaving somewhere else. UCLA, that job's still open. You know, Chris Beard is going to be an attractive guy, but a power five school's finally landed him. Can't let him go. That in that the UCLA the UCLA job, excuse me, was exactly the one that I had in mind. And could could he take his defensive uh, minded approach and make that work at a school like UCLA? That to me that would be very interesting to see. Texas Tech and Virginia playing for an NCAA national championship. Do you have a prediction? Um, I gotta I gotta take Virginia, you know. I'm I'm such a homer. Um the Bennett connection to the state of Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. I gotta I gotta go for that. Um but then again, Texas Tech's defense, I mean, Virginia's been known to lay eggs here and there and that defense I mean, that could really, really cause trouble for Virginia and they seem like you potentially get in their heads early on, and Virginia could have some trouble. What is the over-under that the two teams combine for 100 points in the game? Oh, my goodness. It's going to be some pretty good defense on display right. tonight. Yeah, I. it's going to be right around there, you'd have to think. I'm huh? saying right at 100. My yeah. prediction is Texas Tech 54-46. to 46. Well, I mean, i got to say, since you've gotten here, I've I've – I've liked your predictions. You early in the season, man, you picked the Bucks to win sixty games. <laughs> and and I've been I I I didn't even go out on that far of a limb. So I love that. And you were right on the money. Um then you picked the Brewers to win a hundred. We'll right, see about that I, one. I think so your prediction tonight, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. I think I think I, I would be comfortable putting money on that. Now, you're making predictions. I, I think we can put some money on that. Uh, we did a fan vote on Twitter. Who wins tonight, Texas Tech or Virginia? 59% of the listening audience believes Texas Tech will win the NCAA championship this evening. So I can't wait for it. Really late start time, 920 here on the East Coast. So I'll be staying up and watching it. I'm sure a lot of people will. You know, I was up late flying home last night, so it doesn't matter. I stay up that late anyway. By the way, uh, you ever notice those cookies that they give you on airplanes you can never seem to find in stores? Turns out you can get them at, like, any store. How come I've never seen them? I don't know. I've, I guess I haven't really sought out airplane food. Well, aren't those cookies good, though? 
They are. Well, a cookie's a cookie, man. You can't really go wrong, right? Well, there are some cookies that are better than others. And those airplane cookies, I just don't see them in stores. But those things are good, man. And if they're not the highlight of your flight, you're lying. Oh, yeah. And, well, when I was a little kid, my my dad was always worked for the airlines. And when I was a little kid, we'd get to fly first class. There you go. You, then you get the warm cookies with milk. And, oh, my goodness. Yeah, that is totally the highlight of the flight. I don't care how old you are. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you Monday afternoon. We owe you our first time out when we come back. An anonymous NBA poll released. Some of the results might surprise you. We'll break them down next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. Glad that you're with us. We switch our focus over to the NBA for segment two. We have 15 of the 16 playoff spots locked up. The Pistons still alive trying to get that final spot in the postseason. The Nets and the Magic were able to clinch last night. The top five seeds in the East all locked in. Milwaukee, Toronto, the top two, followed by Philadelphia, Boston, and Indiana. While we want to talk about the matchups and speculate about those, we had an anonymous NBA player poll come out, and the results were kind of surprising. They took 127 current NBA players and they anonymously polled them, asked them these questions. The results were really interesting. Tell me what you think about a few of these, Charlie. They asked 127 anonymous players, who is this year's MVP? I said in the show on Friday, I think it's Giannis, and I don't think it's close anymore. I don't even need to ask who you think is the MVP. But the anonymous poll, or those players involved in it, disagree with us. 44% say James Harden is this year's MVP, 38 for Giannis. Paul George got 13%, but really, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Paul George is not going to win the MVP this year. It's a two-man race right now, even though there's a big three. Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving combined for 3% of the vote to round out the top five. I'm a Celtics fan, but why is Kyrie Irving getting any votes in this? <laughs> yeah, I and, and even Joel Embiid, yeah. I, that's, uh, I, w- I, would, I, would, I would suspect Kyrie Irving would get a little more of the vote than Joel Embiid, but the fact that they're getting any vote... Mm. That's I mean, a little surprising to me. Definitely. But I'm a little more surprised, in fact, that James Harden got almost half the vote out of this player poll. I really think it's Giannis right now, and I don't think it's close. Certainly not as close as it was a month or two ago. I just, I, I'm not sure what the appeal is for Harden other than his offense. Yeah, and, and that's what, I, I guess that what that's what it must be. It must be, you know, what he did this year is extremely special, and his scoring... Um, Man, it's hard to stop. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I would I would have to pick Giannis as the more dominating player, more dominating all around player. But I guess it's the, the scoring factor, and that that's apparently what these NBA guys r- really respect is you need a bucket. You know, can you stop this guy? Um, and you know, I see how teams are starting to play hard and just totally forcing him uh, to his offhand. And he still gets into the lane and in is draining floaters and he still hits his step backs no matter how they force him, where they force him. And so there's some real domination there. Um obviously Giannis being six foot eleven runs like a deer. Uh I mean no pun intended, he's playing mm-hmm. for the Bucks, I guess, but and and can jump through a roof. I mean, all of his traits you would expect him to be of such a physical presence, such a dominating presence on the offensive end, 
James Harden, you know, he we don't really think of him as being all that athletic. Obviously, he's not that big. Is is he really even that fast? Like he's quite average for NBA players as far as that goes athletically, but yet what he's able to do on the offensive end and I'm I'm suspecting apparently that's what these guys are really appreciating out of James Harden. Well, he's a great scorer, and he probably is the best scorer in the league this year. But Giannis isn't far behind. I mean, he's a great scorer in his own right. He's a better rebounder. He's a better defensive player. And I said last week, Harden's not as bad defensively as people make him out to be. But he's certainly third out of the big three in the MVP race right now. Giannis is just a better all-around player. And when the big game comes, he elevates his game with it. Like to clinch home court advantage the other night, goes off for 45 points. That's what I want, my MVP. So that's why I don't agree with this anonymous poll. I still think Giannis is this year's MVP. Right, and and then also 45 points, something, you know, gaudy rebounds, mm. blocks, steals. Um, and the minutes where, you know, he, his minutes are down. Mm. So, um, and, and that's another thing I look at is James Harden playing a lot more minutes than Giannis. Getting those, I, if, if Giannis played the minutes he played last year, I would expect him to have right around a 30, a little over 30 points per game average as well, and that's without a three-point shot. So that's quite impressive. Um, I, I, who would you pick out of the three? Who's a better defender, Paul George or Giannis? Probably, that's tough. At this point, Paul George probably. It's a tough one. I might give that one to Paul George, but it's close. It could be somewhat of a coin flip between those two. Yeah, and it, it, that's become a lot more close, even – as this season rolls on, um, Giannis's low post defense much improved. Well, I tell you what, here was another question from that poll. Which player would you sign if you could have your pick of anybody in the league? Giannis won this vote. As much as the rest of the league, their peers might say Harden's the MVP, the majority of the players that were surveyed said they would pick Giannis if they had their choice to get anybody from around the league, bring him onto their team. Anthony Davis was number two, followed by Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant. LeBron has slipped to fifth. What do you make of this pull? I think that just goes to show, you know, and, and that's a that's a common topic is, do guys really want to play with LeBron James at this point? Mm-hmm. Um, you're always going to be second fiddle to him. Um, I feel like... If if James Harden and Giannis were teamed up, or Kevin Durant and Giannis were teamed up, you wouldn't necessarily be second fiddle to Giannis. He is such a good team guy, and I think that that's probably what these guys were looking at um, when when picking who would they want on their team. You never hear a bad word about Giannis and his work ethic, the tone he sets, uh, and I mean, I would totally want that on my team. I, I don't think there's a guy that wouldn't. Well, and certainly. It's not an attractive scene out in L.A. right now as far as LeBron wanting players to play with him. He's having a hard time recruiting guys to star in Space Jam 2 with them. Right, and isn't that just another thing you called? I'm talking about your your predictions here. I mean, I'm not trying to blow smoke, but there's there's something weird going on here. Your prediction's coming true. I'm getting better. I'm just glad you're predicting good things for my team. I'm worried to ask you what you predict about the Packers, but we'll have to save that for another day. <laughs> hey, the draft is still coming up. I'm right. going to save my predictions for after the draft. Wonderful. I can change with that. Wonderful. Uh, but I tell you what, 
Giannis has the potential to be one of those players that could take over the league, that we could be talking about him in a few years the same way we talked about LeBron for the past few years. You know, I think he has that kind of potential. But going back to do players like playing with LeBron, yes and no in some ways. It was a really tough scene this year once the young guys knew that they were expendable. I don't think they liked playing with LeBron. No. And you don't see that happening with Giannis. Honestly, LeBron might have... Uh, how do I want to say this? I think he's got a higher ceiling of talent with the guys around him than Giannis does, but Giannis has more of those guys than LeBron does, and they love playing with Giannis. That hasn't been the case with LeBron this year. Yeah, and and it, it's something I've heard you talk about on this show, and it does not get talked about enough. LeBron James and his ego, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. what what's the deal with that? It can I mean, be his own worst enemy at times. It, yeah. it, it definitely seems that way. And obviously Giannis has an ego, but it seems more like it's it's left on the court and it's all about winning. And 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 that's what it's about with Giannis uh, more than anything. Obviously LeBron is as competitive as it gets, but it seems like his ego follows him around a little more than Giannis. And Giannis is definitely a lot more easygoing, um, it seems, off the court. And um, he doesn't seem like he's trying to prove as much off the court. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I really, I, I'm really surprised how this season, how it's evolved, how things have gone, and how a lot of guys are eating their words on these on these Lakers picks. And is it going to turn around for LeBron? I don't it, know that it will. It could take a few years to build that roster out there. Obviously, they have the money. But if they're not going to get the free agents, is are they going to make necessary changes to pursue these free agents? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's all remains to be seen. And if it does take two more years to build this roster, where is LeBron going to be at physically? Right. Well, I tell you what, LeBron, you talked about how he might be trying to prove himself. That's why he appears to have an ego like he does. I think there's a lot of insecurity about where he's going to fall when his career is all said and done, where his place in history will be, because he's still trying to rival Michael Jordan or maybe others for the greatest of all time, that title. And this next question in the anonymous poll shed some light on that debate and where current players stand. Uh, Who is the greatest player of all time? 127 current players anonymously voted, 73% for Michael Jordan. I'm not necessarily surprised it's MJ who won, but 73% to LeBron's 12, and Kobe's 11, that's what surprises me. Well, well, that is extremely surprising. Um, Kobe's 11. Um, I, who would you pick? I mean, I would have to go MJ as I well. I still think it's MJ. No doubt, and I think it's pretty safe to say that's not going to change. Um, but here's a question I have. You know, Giannis develops that outside shot, averages i mean he should be able to get close to averaging a little over 30 points a game 14 15 rebounds could he potentially be when it's all said and done the greatest player in nba history i i one thing that really bothers me is he didn't obviously he got that young start but he wasn't playing basketball in elementary in middle school mm-hmm. like these other guys were and he didn't get to come right out of high school sort of did but 
the way he came into the league, he didn't. He wasn't playing as much right away. He wasn't that immediate star. He really still had to build his game. But I think from an all-around standpoint, if he could develop that outside shot with his low post presence, the ability to hit the outside shot, his solid, solid defense, he might be potentially second fiddle to MJ in that greatest player of all time debate when it's all said and done. I think he has the potential to do it. You're not going to like this, but I don't think playing in Milwaukee is going to help him. That might yeah. hurt him because there is a certain amount of marketing that goes into this, and playing in a small market can hurt you. I'm not saying it makes it impossible for him to be talked about at that level, but it's not going to do much to help him. Uh, Talent-wise, could he be better than LeBron when it's all said and done? I think the potential's certainly there. I'm rooting for Giannis. I like Giannis. Uh, if he can win a title this year, yeah, maybe maybe that helps him get in that direction a little bit faster. Right, and and there's no doubt playing in Milwaukee that is not going to help his case. Um, it's it's nice to see um, internationally. It doesn't seem to be hurting him as much. Yeah. Um, so maybe internationally, overseas, they'll have a little different take on it. But certainly, um, like you said, playing in Milwaukee is not going to help his case. Well, I tell you what, uh, a couple other questions that were on that anonymous poll. If you could play for any coach besides your own, who would it be? Greg Popovich was the winner. That one's hard to argue with. Most overrated and most underrated. Most underrated, we'll start with that, Drew Holiday. I mean, I kind of like that one. That I, that is a great that is a great pick. And then most overrated, Russell Westbrook and Draymond Green tied. How about that? Wow! And wow, that is those are two players that I would really look at as well. It's interesting to see how these NBA players seem to really be in touch and in in. in they, it's it's just funny that mm-hmm. it's these names that are being thrown around. Other than the Kobe being in the discussion for, you know, greatest player as close to LeBron. That's, Top that, three ahead of Kareem. Yeah, yeah, that is wow. <laughs> that that is a little off off the wall. But the rest of it, it's that's it. Those names, they're right there. I don't even think Magic Johnson was on that list. Is wow. Kobe the greatest Laker of all time? It's de- that's up for debate. Right. Kobe, Magic, I don't know, one of those two. I think with the greatest Lakers of all time, you have to go of their era. It just seems like you have to, there's so many great Lakers, you can divide it up for their era. Well, I tell you what, we owe you a timeout when we come back. Yesterday was Black Sunday for NHL head coaches, plus some fighting breaking down on the baseball field, on Twitter. We break it down for you next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. Here's your Sports Center update. The Marquette Junior Wildcats hockey team finishes as national semifinalist at the U14 tournament in South Bend. They fell to Canton of New York 3-2 yesterday. Congrats on a fantastic season representing us well. Jeff Blaschel has been named the head coach of the U.S. men's national hockey team for the third consecutive year. He will be assisted by Dan Bilesma, John Hines, and Kevin Ryder. And finally... Washington State head football coach Mike Leach is teaching a class called Insurgent Warfare and Football Strategy this semester. The class is taught as an elective and is available to 40 students on the school's Pullman campus. 
Mike Leach is a great guy. He's a great coach. He's had uh, very successful teams at Washington State. And he's probably the most interesting guy in all of sports. He has so many interests outside of football. He's fascinated with pirates. He's the guy I want teaching my college kids about insurgent warfare. Yeah, insurgent warfare. Um, it's you, a Mike Leach thing to do. Right, right. Yeah, and but um, I guess do you really want him focusing on, on, on that topic a lot? or He's relating it to football with his class, too, is, right. the, is the interesting part. And I just kind of want to see what this is like. We need, um, that needs to be one of those classes that's live-streamed online <laughs> so we can get in on that. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. Glad that you're with us on your Monday afternoon just across the bottom of the hour. Well, I tell you what, the NFL doesn't celebrate. It goes through Black Monday, the first day after the regular season ends where several coaches have their necks on the chopping block and lose their jobs. The NHL has Black Sunday. The biggest difference between Black Sunday and Black Monday in the NFL is Black Sunday is going to continue on. It's going to be basically a Black three-week span because several coaches who did make the playoffs this year are going to get fired. You know, NHL is that sport where you have to consistently get better and go farther. Not being stagnant, making the second round of the playoffs every year is not good enough in the NHL. That's the one sport, more than the others, where you're getting axed if you're not consistently growing. Not consistently being good, but consistently growing toward a cup. And baseball's starting to go that direction, I think, a little bit. I think with John Farrell a few years ago, uh, Joe Girardi was one game away from a World Series. He got axed. And again, you know, both those teams made good hires. I won't say they didn't. But baseball's starting to go in that direction. Hockey, yeah, they've had some questionable fires the last few years. Uh, Phil Housley was let go by Buffalo yesterday. Bob Bogner fired by Florida but Florida's already got the replacement in Joe Quenville, a guy who probably shouldn't have been fired at all during this past season. Uh, axed by the Chicago Blackhawks after leading them to three cups. He's top five all-time in wins. And now the Q-Stash has a new home in South Beach. He is going to be the new head coach of the Florida Panthers, a team that's got the tools there. I really believe they're going to be a playoff team next season. And Bogner, I mean, is it, isn't the guy he's... Well... Yeah, Bogner, I he didn't did he really deserve to get fired? He was almost you know, in his two seasons it was almost twenty games over five hundred. If my team is averaging, you know, winning over they're averaging finishing ten games over five hundred, that looks good to me, but yeah, you you call it man, the NHL, you have to always be progressing, getting better. Um I like that. I like that it's uh there's there's definitely no complacency. There's got to be a lot of coaches who did make the playoff field out of the 16 teams that are going to lose their jobs in the upcoming weeks, depending how the postseason goes. But I am excited that we have the postseason matchups. One of the greatest two months in all of sports when it starts uh, uh, the hockey postseason at the beginning of April extending into May, and then a little bit of June if your team is still competing. You have got the Predators and the Stars in the Western Conference side of things, along with St. Louis taking on Winnipeg, the Flames and the Avalanche, and then Vegas takes on San Jose. Eastern Conference, Tampa Bay, the top team in the NHL this year, takes on Columbus. You have Boston and Toronto. Uh, the Washcaps get the Canes, the Carolina Hurricanes, back in the postseason, and then the Islanders and Penguins are the first-round matchups 
I love this time of year, Charlie. I love the NHL playoffs. It's a time of the year where even guys who don't follow hockey consistently year-round, they get up for this because there is some great hockey almost every night. Yeah, and, and it, it's kind of like baseball um, where guys, you know, a lot of people don't follow regular season baseball anymore, but they really, like you said, they get up for, for the playoffs. Similar for the NHL, I've always really felt that it hurts the NHL that they're trying to compete with the NBA for mm-hmm. playoff viewership. And, I mean, how do you expect them to really do that? Right. Obviously, there would have to be made major, major changes. I mean, it's just not probably feasible or possible uh, for them not to overlap. Um, I, I, I just... I'm, I always find myself watching basketball. I I, I want to get into the NHL playoffs. Always, I've done it in the past um, when the Minnesota Wild were involved. Obviously, if Wisconsin had a team, I'm sure I'd be. Which they should. Uh, right, and they totally should. I, I'm sure. I'm sure I'd be a homer for that team. Um, in years past, it was easier for me with the Bucks not being in the playoffs <laughs> or eliminated immediately. But it, it's just something that I feel like. It's been an easy cop-out for me to not watch a lot of hockey during playoff time, especially because there's always so many good NBA matchups going on. But there, it's going to be interesting to see. It seems like this year it's getting hyped more, and I like to see that. I like to see other sports than football getting 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 talked about like we said before with women's basketball it's just good to hear about it it's good it's good that it's getting some notoriety and this year's going to be a good one well i tell you what uh to go on a few of your points absolutely wisconsin should have a pro hockey team and they do they have the top minor league affiliate of the nashville predators the milwaukee admirals but still i mean there are a few cities that should have NHL teams, in my opinion. Kansas City being one, Milwaukee being another. I'd like to see the NHL go there at some point. Uh, secondly, I'm one of those fans that I will watch the playoffs as long as my team is still in it. If not, I'll turn it back on around the finals. But both my favorite teams in their respective sports, the Penguins and the Celtics, are going to the playoffs this year. So I'll watch both of them, probably equally. And when one of them gets knocked out, no, I'll just switch to the other one. That'll be my focus. Right, and thank God for DVRs. <laughs> thank God for DVRs. We can we can make that work. I tell you what, the Tampa Bay Lightning really looks like this is going to be their year. They have tied the NHL record for most wins in a single season. They won 62 games out of 82 this year. Ties them with the 1996 Red Wings for the most all-time in an NHL season. I'm hoping Pittsburgh can get back to winning NHL Stanley Cups like they did a couple of years ago, but right now my money's on Tampa. Yeah, I mean, obviously I I can't really speak, have a personal opinion on this, but from what I'm hearing, that they they seem to be, I don't want to say a lock, but they really, it sounds like they're they would be the definitely the safe bet. Well, I tell you what, uh, switching gears a little bit, there's been little bit of fighting going around lately, whether it be on Twitter, uh, whether it be on the baseball field, weirdly enough. Benches clearing brawl yesterday. I always like seeing those. I know baseball doesn't. Maybe I shouldn't say that I like seeing them, but I do. And don't lie, people listening, you do too. It gives you credibility. It kind of does. I mean, 
So what happened yesterday, uh, Derek Dietrich of the Cincinnati Reds launched a home run, went 460-something feet, just drops his bat and admires his thing of beauty, just launches over the outfield fence. Chris Archer, the pitcher for Pittsburgh, took exception to that. Next time Dietrich was up, looked like he tried to hit him with a pitch. He threw behind him, Dietrich kind of drops his bat, gives him a stare down. Archer later denied that he was aiming for Dietrich. He said he was trying to pitch inside. Nobody's buying that. And the benches start to clear. Nothing at first. They just come out, get in each other's faces. Josh Bell, a big body, got in between uh, a couple of players, and no one was going to go after him. Uh, But Yasiel Puig was going to take on the entire Pittsburgh Pirates team. It's his first year with Cincinnati, sees one of his teammates get hit, has to wrestle his teammate Tucker Barnhart to the ground in order to get to the Pirates. But it's an iconic image that's been trending social media lately. Yasiel Puig going up against every one of the Pittsburgh Pirates out there on the field. He was just willing to take on all 25 players plus coaches out there. I loved it, man. He looked like a guy from a from like a, a war movie or something going up against these armed horsemen or something. I loved it. I have a few- Feeling a sneaking suspicion, Yasiel Puig was a Carlos Gomez fan. Yeah. Um, there's, there's definitely, there's got to be a connection there. Um, but I mean, I really, if Archer wanted to hit Dietrich, he would have. I think he just threw behind him to. Think so? He threw behind him on purpose. Mm. If, if a pitcher like that wants to hit somebody, they're pretty much gonna hit him. So um, he was just scaring him. Yeah, and and he didn't want to put a guy on base at that point. Um, but, but really, yeah, he's sending a message, but what's, what's the problem? I mean, with, you know, it seems like pitchers, what, they just think they're so untouchable, Mm -hmm. especially these, you know, obviously Archer, he's got to stand in the box, but relievers, um, late, late inning guys come in, they get hyped. Mm -hmm. So why can't Dietrich be hyped and watch, I mean, it was that was a majestic home run. It was a great hit. Yeah. We don't, you know, oftentimes that word gets thrown around, ma- the majestic home run. That was definitely, that ball might still be floating around in the Allegheny. He did it again later, too. Yeah, and, and so kudos to him. Obviously, he's seeing the ball well. Um, so so what, what, what's, the, what's the problem here? One of the Pirates players commented afterwards to answer, kind of what you're getting at. They say Dietrich, who was designated for assignment from the Marlins last year, he's been in the league six years now, that he doesn't have the kind of credibility a guy like Joey Votto would. They said if Joey Votto would have done that, it would have been fine, you know, because he has that repertoire. Whether that's right or not, I don't know. That's the explanation they gave. I love the explanation that Yasiel Puig gave when they talked about why he rushed the team the way he did afterwards. He said, Man, that's one of my teammates out there. Pitchers have that benefit, if you want to call it a benefit, that you can throw at him. You can throw the pitch at him. Us as hitters, we don't get to throw the bat at pitchers. You know, that's that's our way of retaliating, of standing up for our teammate. It's a great way to sum up Yasi. Yeah, and 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 that was the way Carlos Gomez was too. Mm-hmm. But and he was a twin for a while, so I oh, loved him then. Definitely, yeah. The Brewers got a steal when they traded for him. Got his best years. Um, I I really. I just okay, so so the Reds are saying it's okay for Joey Votto to do that. Obviously, I don't think Joey Votto would. Mm-hmm. Whatever, he's more of an old school guy. Um, obviously, it seems like Bryce Harper is one of those guys that gets a little more leeway. Right. 
But, Mike Trout does it, there wouldn't be a problem. Right? I don't... Mike Trout, that's not really his style. Right. But, but what... To me, if a guy... You know, like you said, he's he's really been touch and go in the majors for six years. Um, that gives him even more of a right to me to to be watching that home run. He's got to enjoy that because he's been struggling for a long time, and he's he's able to make an impression with his new team hitting those home runs, especially a bomb like that. So, really, why can't he enjoy it? Probably enjoy it more. Than an established guy like Votto. Well, I tell you what, we owe you a timeout. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer in the studio with you. When we come back, a little bit of fighting on Twitter between a couple of former teammates. We switch to the NFL next in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you Monday afternoon, just about down to the 5 o'clock hour. Glad that you're with us. Well, I tell you what, it has been a tumultuous year plus for the Pittsburgh Steelers with everything that's been going on regarding Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and now there's a bit of a rift going on between Brown and his former protege, the Robin to his Batman, Juju Smith-Schuster. A few weeks ago, there was speculation whether there was bad blood between them. Juju said he wanted Antonio Brown to stay because that's my guy, you know. He makes me better. And he put a picture of Ben Roethlisberger out on social media saying he was proud to have him as his quarterback. Antonio Brown seemed to perceive that as a shot taken at him. And there was speculation whether there was a rift between those two. Juju said that there was no rift. He said everything was fine between them, you know, they're pals or bros and everything. Yesterday, the Steelers announced on Twitter that Juju Smith-Schuster was their offensive MVP this year. Antonio Brown, who did not play the final weekend of the season he played up till then, took exception to it. He put on Twitter, emotion, boy fumbled the whole postseason in the biggest game of the year. Everyone went blind, busy making guys famous, not enough reality these days. He takes it kind of a cheap shot at Juju and Juju Smith responds later all I ever did was show that man love and respect from the moment I got to the league I was genuinely happy for him too when he got traded to Oakland with a big contract and now he takes shots at me on social media man Antonio Brown what are you doing man I mean he's still got some fans but come on dude what what Juju ever do to you what why are you gonna do Juju like that yeah and if anything the last few years um, it's not only Antonio Brown making Juju Smith-Schuster uh, better. Um, Juju is definitely taking some double teams away from Antonio Brown. You know, them safeties, they got to look both ways when those guys are on the field together. They really helped each other out. On Instagram a few hours ago, Antonio Brown posted a screenshot from a DM Juju sent him while he was still at USC asking for advice. I mean, I don't know what he's trying to get out of this. If he was trying to expose Juju for being a college kid, asking one of the best in the game for advice. Even Le'Veon Bell was taking shots at Antonio Brown earlier today. Did something similar with James Conner, only he wasn't taking a shot at James Conner. It was a text of respect between those two. It's kind of funny. The way I'm looking at this is no matter what the Oakland Raiders do, no matter who they bring in as coach, no matter what they do in the front office, they still end up with these guys that 
these these they're not necessarily cast offs in the NFL, but but they always end up with the guys with ego. They always end up whether it's a dirty player, or supposedly a dirty player, or a guy with ego, or guys with baggage. That will always be the Oakland Raiders, and they're they're not letting us down here. Um, I I don't understand what why does Antonio Brown even have to say that in the mm-hmm. first place? Obviously, is this man a little insecure? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he seems like he's going through a very public mental breakdown, honestly. It seems like a meltdown for him. Did did he want to stay in 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 Pittsburgh and and they maybe didn't want him? I don't think so. So, So I don't think that was it. So I mean, there's there's potentially something weird going on there. And then. And then, okay, well, he's not as maybe he felt not as wanted in Pittsburgh as he wanted to feel. So then, that's why he wanted out. Or he, I think that's more yeah. something along those lines. I guess that's that's kind of what I was trying to say. Um, and and he's seeing how beloved Juju is, and in he maybe's feeling he earned that, and he he wasn't getting that love, and it hurts him. But you're a grown man. These fans in Oakland, I mean, that's a California fan base there. And they're really excited to have you in Las Vegas coming up here. There's plenty of love to go around, Antonio. I mean, just just cool the engines, man. I tell you what, you brought up the characters that Oakland brings in, soon to be the Las Vegas Raiders, presumably. I can't wait for training camp when you get Antonio Brown and Vontez Perfect on the field together as teammates. You talk about some guys that maybe were dirty players. Perfect certainly fits that bill. Keep in mind, he targeted uh, Antonio Brown in the playoffs a few years ago, actually got suspended three games because of that. And now they're going to be teammates wearing Oakland Raiders jerseys. So right. that, for me, is going to be one of the funnest things to keep an eye on. And then they have John Gruden as their coach. Are yep. you kidding me? Yeah, and Derek Carr. Yeah. And Marshawn Lynch is in there somewhere. Like, what a weird cast. Yeah, Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, and, and John Gruden, he just he's just the, the cherry on top. I mean, that training camp, I, I can't wait. I, I have to imagine there's going to be plenty of cameras there. And um, I don't know, you know, they 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 can have like another hard knocks. Just just, I mean, let's let's double up the cameras in Oakland because you, you're not going to be able to to catch enough of that. And and I mean, it's I really don't know how to put it, but it's it's going to be a show. And that just sums it up. Well, I tell you what, I want to make sure we got that in. We got a few minutes left, so let's switch back to baseball. We got a little over a week into the season so far. We got some pretty good data from it. And uh, looking around the league, assessments, I mean, there are quite a few surprises. I think Baltimore's overperforming for what a lot of people thought. Uh, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs, the Astros, all underperforming in the early going. Uh, Tigers are better than a lot of people thought. They've won four in a row. They look like they have a lockdown closer with Shane Green. And Milwaukee? Same old, same old. My 100-win prediction's looking pretty good. Yeah, and, you know, to hit on Baltimore, I, you know, obviously I'm familiar with guys like Jonathan VR, um, but I was looking, you know, Trey Mancini. Yeah, Notre Dame guy. 
another Notre Dame guy. A Notre Dame, I just can't. It's it's infiltrating every aspect of my sports world, <laughs> and there, that's not a bad thing at all. But he really was one of the top. I was looking into some of the stats. He's a he's a hard barrel balls guy. He um he hit into some tough luck last year. Um, you know I've always been defending Ryan Braun for hitting into tough luck. Trey Mancini hit into even more tough mm-hmm. luck than Ryan Braun last year. So and and then Jonathan VR has all the talent in the world. He's a try hard guy. That's kind of what Baltimore is building their roster on right now. If Chris Davis could even just hit two fifty, I mean. What what an implosion have you ever seen? I, I'm trying to think. There, there's been some pretty there's been some pretty big ones in the past where where guys just fall off after signing a big contract like that. Mm-hmm. But that's almost hard to watch. Since Davis got his new contract, he struck out 35 percent of the time. It's I that's mean, not acceptable. No, yeah, that that's that's Chris Carter strikeout numbers. Yeah. But Davis isn't hitting the 40 home runs a year anymore. Chris Davis is was out of the league and he was hitting 40 homers a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's it's just unreal how how long I mean, if if the Orioles were contending, they would have had to have cut ties I would imagine already. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they can keep putting them out there uh, until they're they're ready to contend. I am surprised with this National League Central. I'm 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 loving the Cubs struggling. <laughs> it seems like things like that can get into their head, and every game that they lose now, it's going to be harder for them. The Brewers are are they are not going to be easy to catch in September. Once they have their lead, if they can have a decent lead come mid-August. They're going to be a hard team to catch uh, unless there's injuries. I was expecting the Reds to come out a little hotter. It, it seems like... There was there's a lot of pressure on on these Reds outfielders to perform, mm-hmm. and they're just not getting it done yet. Um, you're looking at guys like Matt Harvey; mm-hmm. they're just still underperforming. Um, there's been a lot of surprises, but then there's been other things that we expected. All in all, it's it's a great start to the year. The Brewers won; fi- they've won 15 of their last 16 series, dating back to last year. I mean. For people who aren't on the Milwaukee Brewers bandwagon, what more do they have to do? Win 30 out of 31 series? I, I mean, I, I'm, I could not be happier for them. And and the NL Central is just, it's, it's going to be a wild ride. And Yasiel Puig gave us a glimpse into the excitement this weekend already. Talked about Matt Harvey, 0-1 already with an ERA of 9. I just don't think he's ever going to get back to what he was or what yeah. he could have been, which is really sad to say because yeah. he could have been something really special had it not been for injury. Yeah, and and it was funny, you know. I I hate to be harping on the Levitard show again, but Matt Harvey was saying how he wanted to be the old Matt Harvey, and Stugat said there is no old Matt Harvey. There's <laughs> only old Matt Harvey. So he's as, uh, he's a bitter Mets fan. Stugat is that's for sure, and. And there's another, there's another bright up and coming. I mean, the Mets, they're they're showing signs of of something special. They can pitch. Yeah, and and the but the Cubs, their bullpen ERA is around ten so far. Mm-hmm. Wow, and and that's something that's surprising. Um, if the Cubs don't make the playoffs this year, is Joe Madden going to get that new contract? I think even if they make the playoffs and they don't make at least the NLCS, he's out. 
I think, I mean, the way your predictions have been going, I can totally agree with that one. Just reading the room with Cubs fans, right? I mean, they're just not happy with him. And I'm like, do you realize how good you have it, having a yeah. guy like Joe Baden as your manager? Have Have they forgotten what it was like even just – Ten years. Yeah, you ago? want to bring back Dusty Baker? Maybe they do. Maybe they do. That's I. I don't get Cubs fans. <laughs> no. They got their title and now, now they're spoiled. Yeah, and and I guess that's all it takes. But I can tell you right now, if the Brewers won a title, I would not be. I, that I don't think I could be spoiled with with all the with with what we've been through as Milwaukee baseball fans. Hey, good thing you've got Notre Dame guy at the helm. That's right, Great Council. That's right. He he's. Wow. And, I mean, not to bring up old stuff, but I'm still very salty of the fact that he did not win manager's year last year. I agree with you. That is just, I'm still shocked. Not just because he's a domer, but he is a great manager and he deserved it last year. Exactly. That's still shocking. And what is he going to have to do to win it this year? I guess get to triple-digit wins and you're calling it. So he'll, he'll win it this year. Tell you what, last thing before we sign off, you said earlier in the show you talked about how baseball's starting to trend toward high strikeout, high home run rates, and Chris Davis at least did embody that, kind of, at this point. Um, But baseball is starting to become a sport that's evolving how we're going about hitting the ball and how players are being taught to hit the ball. You looked at any team's roster a few years ago, even as little as five years ago, and all hitting coaches are basically former players, guys who were good hitters back in the day. That's not the case anymore. Now you've got, necess- I don't want to say eggheads, but brainiacs, smart guys. If you are you know identify as a nerd, quote-unquote, you're a science-type guy, and you want to get involved in baseball as a hitting coach, this is your chance because they're not bringing in or teams are starting to go away from the traditional hitting coach, which was guys who were good hitters back in the day in their own professional careers. Now they're bringing in guys who can specialize in angles and math, mathematicians and what have you. They're teaching these guys about launch angles. Where is the best way that they could get a bat on the ball to get the most out of the baseball, what have you. It's so interesting to me how the game is changing that they're teaching these guys the bat angle and the launch angle of the bat. So now we're starting to see the math and science portion of baseball really start to become more of a factor than technique or how a guy hit in the past. Yeah, and and, and we're already seeing pitching catching up to this new hitting philosophy, and, and that's why there's more strikeouts than ever. To hit on what you were saying as far as the new coaching philosophies, they're, they've had the analytics for a while now, but they're really finally figuring out how do we get these analytics broken down and digestible for the players in, in, in ways that it can make them better. And they're, they're realizing... Not, you know, not to use your line, but that these so-called, you know, these supposed eggheads, they are the guys that can break down these analytics, get it done. There's whole new departments being developed in baseball front offices strictly for the analytics and getting it digestible for the players. And the new bat swings, you know, the new, the whole launch angle thing, it was always... Guys pitching, look, keep the ball low, you keep it in the ballpark. Now they're realizing, well, you want to pitch high fastball. Guys are pitching up in the zone in the high 80s and getting strikeouts because it is really hard to get that bat when it's it's coming at an up angle. 
it's hard to get that bat on the ball up in the strike zone with the way they're swinging now. And so it's just funny. It's going to be at what point are guys going to take a step back from this home run barrage and just go back to the basics of getting on base because that's what's working for teams like the Brewers right now is they're having guys at the top of the lineup that still get on base. When are guys like Chris Davis going to be like, all right, I just need to get on base here? And when are analytics going to go point back towards that? Um, it, The whole progression of baseball, something we talked about during the break, all these rules being implemented. You know, we watch these games in the Dominican those the atmosphere is what makes the game exciting. Instead mm-hmm. of changing the rules, let's make this atmosphere more exciting yeah. in in American baseball. You know, Latin baseball is it is just a it is a treasure. And I mean, I wouldn't have a problem with seeing a little bit more of that attitude and that you know, guys call it swagger, whatever you want to call it, brought into the American game. Um, there's going to be some pull against that. But all in all, it's just great to be summer. It's it's great to have it summer. It's it's great baseball's back. Playoff time. What 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 a wonderful time to be a sports fan. Danner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. Thanks for being with us on your Monday afternoon. Until tomorrow, enjoy the Will Kane show.